0: Let me pray. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your um, immense goodness to us and the faithfulness of your people to enter in this morning so quickly and readily into worship because that's what you deserve, and we uh, thank you for the opportunity to remember rightly uh, uh, what you have accomplished for us on the cross. We uh, thank you for the joy and the privilege that it is to walk with you, and this praise, God, I pray, has been honoring to you, because you deserve all honor and praise and glory forever and ever, and all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. You can grab a seat, and um, I hope you're enjoying your summer, and uh, Hope you're getting time with your family and some time for rest. And uh, thank you so much um, for your faithfulness in kind of leaning in over the past two weeks as we've had uh, some other preachers in the pulpit. And, uh, you know, it's so important, particularly in the summer, um, for me in the role that I have in our church to have some time. Uh, just to process, time away, to work on other projects around the church. I'm so thankful even this week, uh, spending some time uh, getting some adult ministry leadership handed off to Dylan as he's come on our staff now, and so uh, thankful for him, and uh, just thankful for our team, Uh, excited to serve this church as we just uh, keep in front of us, again and again, our goal and what we're striving after is to glorify God through making disciples. And uh, speaking of discipleship. Uh, Disciples are guided by this book. I hope you got a copy in front of you or maybe on your phone. Um, It's time to dig into God's Word together, and we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. As we continue to move through the book of Acts, um, we're in a little bit of a a new sub-series called Foundational. And so in this series, over the uh, four weeks when I'm teaching us through this series, uh, uh, two now and then two at the end of August... um, we're going to look at some key elements of what it means to be a disciple of Christ. And, and so um, I want to frame, up, frame it up a little bit uh, this morning by sort of orienting ourselves in the, the bigness of what we're invited into. This uh, move of the gospel, this advance of the gospel we've been seeing throughout uh, the book of Acts, but we see the current of it uh, picking up um, momentum And I love, um, in the summer, we get to enjoy um, the momentum of the current. Um, People love to kayak during the summer. I know a bunch of our ladies went out yesterday, had a blast kayaking. Um, I knew I'd get some shout-outs from the ladies. Um, I love uh, to drop in right by Maranatha, near where I live, because I can either go to Mona Lake or out to Lake Michigan if the waves aren't too big and I don't want my boat to sink. That's not fun. And, uh, but my favorite place I've ever kayaked is up in uh, Boardman River, just outside Traverse City. And I like it because the current's kind of quick and there's some uh, turns that you need to make and navigate. And uh, one of the things you realize when you're, when you're in a little um, faster current than uh, what plays out like in Mona Lake or something like that is, if you get your boat the wrong direction and the current's coming up against it, you're soaking wet. Very quickly, if you turn against the current, it becomes a problem. Because you can't do anything to change the advance of the river. It's impossible. You can try and you're going to look funny as you're getting swept down the river. And, and, and so if you're not careful what you're doing, you can end up soaking wet. You can end up pulled under the current. But if you settle into the flow, if you settle into the flow, you can move down the river with very little effort. All you have to do is just navigate some of the obstacles and make sure that you keep your kayak right in the middle of the flow of the water. In the same way, the gospel has been advancing since the disciples found the tomb empty. It's been advancing. The truth of Jesus Christ is a strong current impacting generation after generation in significant ways over the past 2,000 plus years. It will not stop advancing. And in the passage we have in front of us today, we get to see this very close-up glimpse of the gospel advancing in the early church. And trust me, we don't want to resist the current of the gospel. Instead, we want to see this morning how the current is advancing, understand how to settle into the flow, so that it can direct our lives, and so that's where we're headed this morning. The big move, the encouragement, the thing I hope we understand, as we don't just read the scriptures, but immerse ourselves in them, is this move, participate in the advance of the gospel. Participate in the advance of the gospel. So, starting in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, just follow along with me, We're going to look at this, and then I'm going to bring some moves that need to be playing out in our life if we want to uh, participate in the advance of the gospel. Follow along with me starting in verse 6. And they went, this team of uh, uh, Paul and Silas, certainly others, they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Messiah, They attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Messiah, they went down to Troas, and and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. This picture of the desperate need for the gospel, seen in a vision that Paul receives from the Spirit of God, and as usual with Paul, and when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they wanted to go one direction, the Spirit leads them another direction, and they're headed to Macedonia. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi. So now we're in modern day Greece, which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in the in this city some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we, supposed, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. A worshiper of God, but not the worshiper of the God necessarily until this. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul, and after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay, and she prevailed upon us. So he encountered this religious woman, Lydia, she comes to faith in Christ, entire household, including her baptized. Verse 16, and we were going to the place of prayer, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out. It's so interesting, watch this. What what is she crying out? Like, don't believe them, they're liars. No, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. So the, the spirit of divination is actually telling people exactly what is true about Paul and Silas, that they're here proclaiming the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. So they're like, she's still following us, announcing this, And then I love the honesty of the Bible. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said, he's like, okay, okay, okay. We're proclaiming it. Enough of you following us around, declaring this, sort of maybe interrupting what was happening. Turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Trouble, though. But when her owners, ugh, slavery, saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, the officials, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. Really? Or they just took money away from you? Which one was it? They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Not even a chance to bandage up the open wounds that would have likely been on their back Paul and Silas put right in the midst of prison, locked in their feet, and this jailer, like, you've got one responsibility, keep them there. Verse 25, what is the mood going to be of Paul and Silas? About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Okay, there's a lesson there. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Imagine this, the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open. He thinks they're all gone. And he's like, this is not a good move for me. I'm likely gonna be killed, shamed. He drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He was about to fall onto his sword. Supposing that the prisoners had escaped, 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights, and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out of the prison, and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He had heard enough in their singing and in their praying to know that they had something he didn't have. Look at their response, verse 31. And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus, verse 32. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. He took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. Finally, they get their wounds washed. All of this happening while they're still feeling the weight and the pain of their, of their persecution. He brought them into his house and set food before them, and he rejoiced, no, I'm sorry, verse 33, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family, miraculous. And he brought them up into his house and set food before them. He rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. And then verse 35, I love this. Just love God's word. Uh, But when it was day, the magistrate sent the police saying, let those men go, just get them out of our area. They're messing everything up. It's crazy since they showed up. And the jailer reported these words to Paul, saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Therefore, come out now and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, that was a key, and have thrown us into prison. And do they now throw us out secretly? No, let them come themselves and take us out. And I love Paul. The police reported these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them. This doesn't happen all the time, even in the book of Acts. And they took them out and asked them to leave the city. So they went out of the prison and visited, what do they do? They get out of the prison, uh, back to Lydia. We're gonna go visit Lydia, make sure she's doing okay. Make sure she's doing okay. Your back's still healing. You just got out of prison. They told you to leave. He goes right back, visits Lydia, we've seen this pattern again, and when they had seen the brothers, so they're like, we're gonna gonna see our people. We're gonna see our brothers and sisters in Christ, make sure they're okay, and they encouraged them, and then departed. (laughs) Like, Acts is so wonderful because it gives us these pictures of the gospel advancing, and then it, it drops us into these specific situations where there's some lessons and some observations that we wanna make as we walk through the text. So there's there's, there's four moves that we make here in this passage if we want to participate in the advance of the gospel. That's the big move. And the first one is this. Just like the passage started, listen to the Spirit. Listen to the Spirit of God. Paul and his team were being led by the Spirit. That was clear. Listen, I don't know exactly how they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go the direction they were sort of going I don't know what the plan was or what the purpose was in that. I don't know what the goal was or why they felt led there. But somehow, the Holy Spirit forbids it. And so, the Spirit is is literally here directing the current of the gospel that they were faithfully preaching. And I don't think that this passage is suggesting that God speaks in the same way, like here, every time anyone goes out to preach the gospel but when the aim of your life is to share the gospel, when when, when you're positioning your life and the time that you have in this world in a way where you're looking for opportunities to share the gospel, you're participating in the advance of the gospel, and here's what I can promise you. uh, from, From church history, to my own experience, to the experience of hundreds of people that I've been in conversation with, when you are in that current, of the gospel advancing in preaching and looking for opportunities to preach the gospel, here's what I promise you. The Spirit speaks right in that current. That's, because the Spirit's heart is to promote Jesus Christ, and it may not look the same as what happened here in the initial advance of the gospel, but we have to be a people that first step into the current, ready to share the gospel, participating in the advance of the gospel, and then we have to listen to the Spirit. We have to learn to turn our ear to it. I hear stories all the time. I see it in my own life. Followers of Christ who in a moment just feel led to talk to somebody about the gospel or to invite them to church or interact with their questions or their struggling or their desire for wisdom from God's word. They, often we, we we are led by the Spirit, and then we respond in faith, initiating a conversation about the gospel, responding to a question. Sometimes the response that's received from the person is a, is no response or an, even a negative response, but th- that's not our responsibility, because the Spirit of God turns hearts. Our responsibility is just to communicate it, and represent it, and live it in such a way that it's compelling, but then Sometimes when we're in the current and we're listening and we're sensitive to that and we plant those seeds, we all know what happens. Sometimes that person starts coming and they come for the first time and then curious by the gospel. And then uh, sometimes we see people come and be saved and, and entire households transformed because of the power of this gospel. And I believe the Spirit wants to direct us in the advance of the gospel when we commit to participating. See, that's the first thing, the first move, I believe, before we hear the Spirit is a a faith that is listening for the Spirit. And if the goal and the purpose of your life is to make Christ famous, then I promise you, you are going to be attentive to opportunities to make Him famous. Just looking for opportunities to share the gospel. When this is the purpose of your life, you'll be ready to hear from the Spirit. And so, let me just encourage you, church. If your faith is rooted in Jesus Christ and that gospel has uh, penetrated every aspect of your life and you, as much as you know uh, how you are uh, fully and humbly uh, submitting your life to Jesus, look for opportunities and listen to the Spirit. And when you feel a leading from God's Spirit, just respond in faith. God loves to lead people to himself. Invite someone to church, share your testimony of faith, anything that will promote the gospel. Trust God, be faithful to the your greatest purpose is to make Christ famous. Listen to the Spirit, participate in the advance of the gospel. That's the first one. Then the second one is this, second move. Communicate the gospel. So when you get to this opportunity and the Spirit's leading, we don't just move into spaces. I believe that every way that we're led in this life should be in the same way as we see here in Acts. Every move of where I live, every job change, every decision for school, every neighbor that moves in, every addition to my family, every place that I like to visit often, my heart should be thinking, what's the gospel opportunity in this move? And then when we arrive there, we've got to say, man, we want to communicate the gospel. That puts us right into, that puts our lives right into Acts 16. And so what does it mean to communicate the gospel? Well, notice the, the phrases just in this passage that we've already seen. Speak the word, preach the gospel. Paul spoke to Lydia clearly about the gospel. They were proclaiming the way of salvation, and then in verse 30, the jailer asks that question that is just absolute gold. That I want to make sure that every person who's a follower of Jesus Christ knows how to answer that question if it's asked of you. Sirs or ladies, what must I do to be saved? Now notice their response to the question. Quite simply this. Believe in The Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Just in that phrase, it's a clear summary of the gospel because as you can see in verse, as it continues in in verse 32, it says, and they spoke the word of the Lord to him. So it wasn't, they weren't just like, believe in the Lord Jesus, that's all I got. Crickets. You know, like, just gonna wait here, watching to see if you respond. That wasn't what happened here. There was more given to them. This was a clear summary because (laughs) <laughs> we've already walked through all these chapters in Acts, and if you've been with us for the whole time, you know that we've heard again and again and again the gospel clarified in great depth. And so this much is clear from this summary, though, that it's not believe in a church for salvation. Although the people were certainly meeting together, and we even see in this passage that on the Sabbath, they're like, we got to find a place to gather with believers wherever we're at. Even if a church hasn't been set up, we're looking for believers. We were just looking for religious people who are just gathering to pray. The the, On the Sabbath, commitment to being in church, it's there, but that's not believing a church. It's not believing a list of rights and wrongs, although believing in Jesus changes the way you live. It is a belief in the person of Jesus Christ that leads to being a disciple of Jesus Christ belief always leads to following the way of Jesus. It is always an engagement with the person of Jesus or it is not true belief. It's important to understand that the word used there in front of Jesus is Lord. The Lordship of Jesus is so critical in our understanding of what it means to submit to God. Church, when you read this, do not read this just as a report of what what happened in the past put yourself in the text. This is God's word for us today. Don't try to excuse yourself out of the text here. Oh, this is just what happened in the early church. Oh, well, I mean, the the apostles, they they had to speak the gospel, they had to communicate the gospel. Communicating the gospel is not just for pastors or people who are um, on staff of a church. They're not just for the leaders or the people who communicate well with words. Communicating the gospel is for everyone. Yes, there are some people who I've seen in my own Christian walk who have an unusual giftedness for evangelism. It's not good to look at that person who's unusually gifted for evangelism and be like, I can't do that. Because they're unusually gifted for evangelism. But God's calling all of us to communicate the gospel and be prepared to answer the question, what must I do to be saved? We've got to know how to answer this question. How do you answer the question? What do you say? Here, we've said it again and again in our church, five key gospel words that I believe are essential. God, sin, substitution, believe, life. So let me just give you some Really clean phrases that will help you unpack these words when you talk to people. First, God, one true creator, God in three persons. The Trinity, there, the idea of creation, the value that comes from being created in God's image. Everyone, sin, one humanity unified in this we've been broken by sin we are messed up apart from something changing or directing us we are insanely selfish and self-destructive and self-seeking and the list could go on then substitution one sacrifice what we remembered this morning jesus christ dying on the cross one substitution one sacrifice to offer grace, and forgiveness, the heart of the gospel. At the center of the gospel is the cross. The center of the gospel is the cross. Believe one path to salvation, faith in Jesus Christ. How can I be right before a God who is so great and holy? I I need But my faith in Jesus Christ, who offers me grace and forgiveness, and through his death makes me righteous before Christ when I appropriate by faith his righteousness. So, standing before God, God sees Jesus, my representative, not me in my fallenness. There's only one path to salvation faith in Jesus Christ. He's the only one that died for our sins. And then, one purpose for life make Christ famous. One purpose for life, make Christ famous both personally in the way I live and in the way I represent Christ to the world. Practice this, church. Put all five words back up again. This communication of the gospel, practice it. This is, this is what we process through in our, in our relationship with God. It's what we think through. It's um, the thing that we should We can practice by having a discussion with friends and and, and talking about how would you share it and talking about times when you have an opportunity to share it. Go share with someone. Learn from your communication in that. Look for opportunities and be prepared to communicate the gospel. Participate in the advance of the gospel. Acts 16 is not just for us to read and remember and observe, but for us to live out also. Thirdly, this... Expect resistance when the gospel disrupts. The gospel disrupts. I love one of the principles you've seen in my teaching is I just want to help us, and it's really it, it's really helpful for um, anybody, but in this context, God's people. For us to have right expectations about the way things play out, because. Wrong expectations lead to disappointment. There's sometimes when people are feeling disappointment about something, and I'm like, "Let let me just teach you for a second and point to Scripture and help you understand that what you're experiencing should be an expectation. Here, expect resistance when the gospel disrupts, because the gospel all the time, wherever it goes. I mean, you could call Acts like just a book of, like, just kind of war breaking out everywhere. You see it. You see the opposition to the gospel. You see that when the gospel disrupts, people are like, what in the heck are you doing? And they're outraged and frustrated and there's this current of resistance. Because the gospel is always countercultural. It doesn't matter whether you talk about um, God's word to the Hebrew culture or God's word to the Greek culture or the Roman culture. It doesn't matter where it goes. It just disrupts. It's like, not that way, this way. Not that way of thinking, this way of thinking. When someone receives the gospel, here's what it does it transforms everything. Some of you could testify to this in your life. It transforms values, it transforms patterns of thinking, and it transforms ways of living. You just write that down, and I promise you, if the gospel has not impacted you to that level, then the question is whether you really know the gospel, because the gospel transforms values, patterns of thinking, and ways of living. Just in this passage, the gospel message confronts Lydia, this worshiper of God, and opens her heart to pay attention to the truth of Jesus Christ as the only God, disruption, disruption. The slave girl with a demonic spirit following Paul around until he calls out the spirit in the name of Jesus, disruption. The jailer, responsible for keeping Paul and Silas in prison, earthquake, prisoners freed, facing failure for allowing them to escape, about to fall on his sword, kept from killing himself, and the same night he accepts Christ, his entire household accepts Christ, and they all get baptized. Like, What in the world just happened? would be when they wake up the next morning, that's what they were thinking. Jailer and his family going, "Uh, um, whole life just got disrupted. True belief in the gospel disrupts. And this disruption causes resistance. Gospel disruptions are, are real, and what happens is the gospel disrupts the normal current of the world. This slave girl was just doing what she knew to do what she was demanded of, of her. And suddenly the gospel comes and it disrupts and now the current's going in another direction. And there's resistance there. Some of you have a mild view of the disruption the gospel brings because you've tried to hold back from Jesus. Here's the classic illustration of the eggs in the basket. And so what happens is some of you, with your life, you're kind of like, Got to be really careful with this illustration. It's going to be a mess. Some of you are like, I'm not sure if I want to put this in the gospel basket. And then you're like, okay, well, I think I have to. And you're like, the rest of it's still mine. And some of you get to a point where you're like, okay, 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 okay. I don't know if I can do this. This is a part of my life I really love. And you're like, "Mm." and then you let it go. It's like in the gospel basket. And some of you get to a point where you get content. You're like, look at how much I've put into the gospel basket. This is disrupting so much of my life. And you're still holding on to this. And the gospel, when it disrupts, I promise you that you don't get the freedom to negotiate with the one whose title is Lord. You simply gather up all of your eggs and you put them into one basket. The reason why we don't see disruption is because we're still negotiating with the one whose title is Lord. When you hold back from Jesus, you're not just holding back from what Jesus rightly deserves, you're holding back from your own joy and peace and purpose. Because I promise you that the longer you hold on to your life, the more it's gonna be crushed and dripping everywhere. Instead, give it to the one who can hold it secure. And offer you joy and peace in exchange for your life. When you believe in Jesus, He comes and totally disrupts your life. You don't fit Jesus into your busy schedule, He rearranges your schedule around His priorities. Jesus is not a priority, He is the one who stands over all of my priorities. I don't think about any aspect of my life independently of the basket of the gospel in which I've laid it by faith. Totally and completely. Total disruption until he is supreme over every aspect of your life. Lord Jesus. Believe in the Lord Jesus. And getting your normal disrupted is never easy. Listen, I've got great compassion for the mess that that creates. And I know this too, because I already see it happening. It's going to get messier around this church if if we grow in our passion to reach the lost. Disruption will lead to resistance. And I'm seeing it already. I've seen it already in and around our church. You, you You got parents with lukewarm faith coming in just being like, all I have to do is attend. I think this church is good. It'll be good for my kids. And the kids then come come awaken to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then they look at their parents and they're like, all you're doing is sitting in church. It's a disruption that creates resistance. And parents are like, I'm not sure I expected this. And now they're negotiating, sometimes with kids, who are wanting to fully give their lives to Christ. Husband or wife comes to a place where they stop negotiating, they give everything to the Lord, but the spouse now is still like, no, 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 we, we can't give this away. Oh, I don't want you to change to the point where we gotta give this away now, are you kidding me? We gotta be full in? And hopefully the spouse is responding humbly and lovingly and patiently in that moment, but it disrupts. When you stop negotiating and give everything to the Lord, there's gonna be resistance, either from your own flesh, that always wars against the righteousness of God, or from others around your life. I could extend that illustration to friends and coworkers. Anticipate resistance to the disruption. The gospel, is, the gospel comes in gloriously. It comes in to bring joy and peace, I promise you. But when it enters in, it comes in violently. It not only disrupts the current that you've been on and turns you in another direction, but then in addition to that, now you've got resistance to the disruption from people that you care about and love. But I promise you, you will never regret that decision. Never. Expect resistance when the gospel disrupts, but let it disrupt, please let it disrupt. Participate in the advance of the gospel. And then this last one, such great hope for us, advance the gospel through resistance. It's seen again and again in this passage. They're forbidden from going one direction and they're not like, oh man, I really wanted to go to Asia. I'm disappointed. No, they get resistance one direction, like okay, other direction, going to preach the gospel, focused on the purpose. They face the religious person, keep advancing, communicating the gospel. Person under demonic influence, faithful to the call, and even though she's like barking a bunch of stuff as they're follow- she's following them around for days, just continue to preach the gospel. Locked in prison, still singing praises to God. Out of prison immediately, what do they do? Oh, man, we're going to get a vacation. This is hard. No, go to Lydia, encourage Lydia and the other brothers, and move on to the next opportunity. Every advance of the gospel is marked by these four realities. And there are connection points for all of us in this. It's this, same four realities. People believing, people being baptized, people rejoicing, and then people encouraging one another. Believing, baptizing, rejoicing, encouraging through resistance. Not around it not hoping and praying that it will not come, but right through it, patiently and lovingly and perseverantly. Across the board, it's happening. The same thing that was happening in Acts, it's happening right now in our church, right now in this service. It's the same God, God revealed as the Father, as the Son of God in Jesus, His Son and then the Holy Spirit, and the same gospel asking for your life, wanting to disrupt the way that you've been thinking and the way that you've been living wanting to lead you into abundant joy and into the hope of eternal life it's the same gospel the same god the 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 same work wanting to lead you to a place where you'd rejoice in what god is doing because you're participating in it wanting to lead you into a community of people committed to encouraging one another through resistance and so this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity to make a decision. You can jump right into the current of the gospel that's advancing regardless of whether you jump in or not, um, and the first move is believing. Some of you maybe have been around here and you're just like, my life, gospel, not sure. And maybe there's something this morning that in the spirit of God, you're like, I'm done. I'm done. Every time I hold this, I drop it. The eggs are breaking every time I try to control them. And I'm ready this morning. God, could you fix the broken places in my life because of my desire to try to hold on to my life? Would you come and, and just allow me to relinquish control to you completely and totally, some of you this morning, need to make a decision for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you need to believe in the Lord Jesus to admit that God is who he says he is, to admit that you're fallen and apart from a savior, have no hope, to see that through the substitution of Jesus Christ, you're offered grace and forgiveness, and to believe in that, and to commit the rest of your life to living that out. And this morning, one of the things we love to do is rejoice and encourage you. And so if you're ready to make that decision, we just wanna uh, let you know, you can go to mychristchurch.info, that's the place to go, Uh, there's a place there for salvation and we want you to fill that out because we want to walk with you. We want you to be like Lydia was in Acts uh, 16. We want to be like, how's Lydia doing? How are you doing in your faith? How? And we want you to be like the brothers and, and we want to be able to connect with you and encourage you in your faith so you can grow there. Or maybe it's baptism. The public declaration in the waters of baptism. Maybe that happened as as somebody made that decision for you when you were an infant or or maybe you've you've walked with Christ but never have stepped into the waters of baptism and declared your faith in Jesus Christ. Well, church, I want you to know that we've set um, August 29th as a baptism date for our church and so you can go to the website, fill that out. We want to know the people who are ready to be baptized. I mean, look at it again and again, the pattern in Acts, believe Baptized. Believe baptized. So what's holding you back? What's holding you back? Let's make the move today. On August 29th, we're praying that God would lead people to that and that we would see that. And when this happens, we rejoice together because we realize that it's worth it. The disruption, the resistance that comes because we've landed right in the current of the gospel and we encourage one another in that because we're sitting there like in a fast moving current sitting in a kayak and we just get ourselves right in the middle of the flow of the direction the gospel's going and we watch people just immerse themselves fully into the current. And as opposed to being swept down the river and coming up for air for a period of time and then going back under, instead of being damaged and hurt by the current, the the direction the gospel is going, as opposed to being condemned before God, instead, through the uh, faith in Jesus Christ, we find ourselves floating above all that's happening, navigating by the word of God down the river that's leading to eternity. And we just settle in And we're given wisdom of how to navigate the obstacles and we, in that current, have the opportunity to reach our hand down to people who have not yet found the security of Jesus Christ and offer them the gospel and then by faith grab hold of their hand and draw them into the security that we have found in Christ. And we just continue to rejoice in what God is doing in our purpose and in the journey that God's called us to. We immerse ourselves in this current. We advance the gospel through resistance. We participate in the advance of the gospel. That move is what we're called to, and so if you have not yet come to a place where you found your life, fully and completely in Jesus Christ. You can make that decision right now. You can talk to God. He's listening. His spirit is so attentive to this room right now in his sovereignty and in his omnipresence. And he wants to draw you to himself. All you gotta do is just say, God, I I want everything that you are in Christ. I wanna believe in the Lord Jesus and give my life completely. And then those of you who have been baptized, let's celebrate together and have you stand and publicly proclaim the gospel so that we can rejoice together and encourage one another and so that the reality of what's been playing out in Acts 16 can be playing out today, 2021, in our church. Let's pray together. God, I ask this morning that um, we have been faithful to what you called us to. We have come here uh, this morning into this Sabbath day to worship you and have offered you our praise. And God, um the leaders that have responsibility around our church, whether in worship or in preaching, we have strived to be faithful. And now what we're asking for is a move of your spirit to draw down on our heart to both reveal the glory of who you are and to reveal the brokenness that we possess and to um, see a change happen, God, as we see the glory of the cross and in that substitution, I pray that it would not just be something that we know, but something that our life participates in, that we are the ones who admit our need for your substitution and receive it by faith. And this morning, God, rather initially or in a way like never before, I pray that we would believe in the Lord Jesus. That salvation would come and that people would be baptized soon in our church and that We would continue to rejoice and encourage one another. We are to participate in the advance of the gospel. God, do it through us. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.